and my wife and I, like a couple hours before we were talking about like, we've been through a lot and this is like obviously another thing. Um, but I looked at my wife and I said, I feel like something else is going to happen. And like two hours later, Emily just stops breathing. All right, here we are back with episode number 14 of the Go Vertical podcast. Uh, again, I am Nick Jordan, uh, joined by Mr. Warren Utzi, host of this great podcast. And today uh, we are joined by a good friend of mine. I'm thrilled to have him on. I've been thinking about um, asking him ever since we started, and so I'm glad we can make it happen today. Uh, joined by my friend Jake. Dugan, um, and he has been riding the roller coaster of life the past few years, um, going from no kids to six kids and back to four kids in the past three or four years. Uh, his wife and his daughter almost died on the day they were supposed to close on their new house. Um, and yet somehow they have maintained this just crazy joy throughout the ride they've been on the past few years and so i'm just really excited to talk to jake about about this um so with that being said are you guys ready to go vertical let's go all right um warren how about a tip of the week all right well man i'm uh, excited about jake's story this is this is gonna be awesome but tip of the week is outwork everybody on your team so I know that early on in business, it was really easy for me to be the hardest worker. And I would always get up first and I would leave last. And I was the hardest worker. But once you have some success, um, maybe you put some managers into place and you have some freedom. It's very easy to be, you know, just come a little bit lazy. Maybe not lazy, but maybe just have some hobbies and, and uh, you're not quite as motivated. But I think it's very, very, very important if you're listening and you're a business owner, that you let your team see that you are working hard and it's not always out physically working. So Jake is a manager of a, 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 a restaurant. Maybe it's not flipping burgers, but they know that he's out there building the business um, and doing marketing and whatever it takes to build the business. So it's important that your team sees you as the hardest worker on the team and mm -hmm. make sure they can never keep up with you. Yeah. I would hundred percent agree with that. Yeah. That was a big tip there. Awesome. That's great. Well, yeah, that was a good uh, introduction there, Warren. Jake is the currently the general manager of the Culvers up here in Black River Falls and uh, working towards um, doing all the steps that need to be done to actually uh, buy into it and, and start uh, owning that store. Um, Jake, you have a really good relationship with the current owner, and, and he's agreed to kind of train you up and let you buy into it. So that's, that's cool. Um, if you are listening to this and you have never been to Culver's, then mm -hmm. you definitely need to make a point to get there. That's uh, probably, can I say guys, it's one of the best things to ever come out of Wisconsin. I'd, I'd say so. It's gotta be yeah. out of Mount Rushmore, right? Got, yeah. <laughs> we should yeah. ask Jake what makes Culver's different from any other restaurant. Ooh, that's yeah. it, it is totally different. I mean, if you've never been there, it's, it's something else. So, 
Is it, it is the fact the, that they use half a slice of butter on every burger? Or? Yeah, that's not accurate. It's a <laughs> butter burger. You uh, butter the bu uh, the bun before you toast it. That's the butter burger there. So, Ooh, that's what it is. Okay. That's the trick there. That is a, a, a common misconception, though. So, yeah. And the now frozen you just gave custard. away the secret. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> the frozen custard is amazing. Uh, yeah, the cheese definitely. curds, the best. Oh, yeah, cheese curds. Yeah, oh, yeah. awesome. Got to go to Culver's. Check it out. Yep. One of my favorite restaurants for sure. Yep. So good. Definitely a step above the normal fast food. So story. Um, just a couple quick questions just to kind of get to know you a little bit. So can you describe what you do in a sentence or two or or uh, give us your elevator pitch of uh, what your job looks like? Yeah. So um, a lot of times I'm, I'm, I'm in the restaurant like, you know, like Warren said, like flipping patties, being working alongside the crew, I think um, that's been really important. And um, over this past year, I, I missed a lot of time with work with um, my what happened with our child being born and then um, our baby getting sick. I was out a lot and I was really lucky to have ma managers that I'd built up that were um, able to come in and um, really do the business. So I could see how easy it would be now that I've seen like the fruits of my labor of building people up to just kind of back off and not be that like the hardest worker. And I can see like, if I wasn't like a hundred percent focused or that hard worker when I was there, I saw, I saw a slip a little bit. So yeah. I definitely get that as well, but um, you know, working, building up leadership, um, you know, hiring, um, you know, kind of that HR type stuff as well. Um, just kind of creating plans and going, um, you know, thinking month down the line, six months down, down the line, a year. Um, what do we need? What do we need to work on? Um, all that kind of stuff as well. But I enjoy my, I enjoy working alongside the people on my team and, um, just get, getting to know them, you know, building those relationships and then just kind of working alongside them and, uh, helping us reach our goals as well. So, yeah. Nice. So what do you, you kind of, I think maybe answer this a little bit, but what do you spend most of your time doing day to day? I think most of the time I kind of just like running shifts and like being a part of it. It's been nice before I like had like this long list of things that I needed to do that wasn't on like what we call the floor, like, you know, out there. Um, and so I, I wasn't on the floor as much and I, um, you know, building up the people and letting um, some other managers do those tasks and um, mm -hmm. what, like letting them grow as well instead of just myself. Um, it was tough at first to be able to like trust someone like this is an important task that needs to get done. Like I usually do this, so mm -hmm. try to yeah. do that. Yep. But, um, you know, trying to move, continue my growth as well, like being there for the like, questions and uh, like troubleshoot and make sure that we don't make big mistakes like um, with those things. But a lot of the time right now I am in the restaurant kind of just working and observing and um, being there for people. It's awesome. Nice. What is uh, what's one thing that keeps you awake at night? Ooh, that is a tough one. Hmm. <laughs> I think uh, the uncertainty of things, uh, I think uh, like right now we have about 60 people that work for us. Um, you say 60? So, yeah, about 60 people. Um, we've been pretty lucky um, with having a good amount of crew and a good crew as well. But um, to be able to like really 
continue to just the fact that like you have to trust people and there isn't another option and um just you know sometimes it doesn't work out and so that that's what keeps me up at night um just those worries as well it's not all on me and and if it was that'd be a big problem as well too so (laughs) (laughs) that's crazy i did not know that 60 people people i would yeah you how many people are, are working at a time, like at one time, like right now, um, how many people are on the floor? You think probably close to like 15, to, uh, 18, maybe 20. Okay. Um, so yeah. And so you're average summer, so. Do they work 15, 20 hours a week on average, you think, or do they actually work 30, 35 hours a week? Yeah, we have quite a bit of full-time people as well. So working like 30 to 40 hours a week, even more if they would like to. We try and keep that overtime to a minimum. It's important to have that work and life balance. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But we have even a lot of kids that work, you know, 20, 30 hours, even more. So, um, wow. but yeah. It's awesome. Nice. So what do you do when you're not working? So uh, as you point out, uh, I have a wife and four kids and um you know, the age ages are eight, four, three, and then nine months. So that, uh, that kind of keeps me pretty busy. Um, I like to get out and golf when I get the chance, but kind of feel guilty when I, when I'm yeah. <laughs> out having fun golfing and, uh, knowing that my wife is, you know, once again, you know, um, taking care of all the kids, but I, I really enjoy spending time with our kids, whether that be just hanging out, you know, playing catch, going for walks, um, Nick probably looks outside as we, I live down the road from Nick. So Nick probably looks out his house like yeah. five times a day and, Oh, there's the Duke. And just... yeah, we wave to you guys. Yeah. They're just down <laughs> a couple blocks down from us. So we actually just took a walk a couple of days ago. We happened to be going at the same time and got yeah, to walk around the block together. Yeah. But, um, nice. Yeah. Awesome. We, uh, homeschool our kids. So this is our <laughs> first week of, um, getting back into, um, the mm-hmm. mix with that and having a full week of school. So, um, wow. trying to figure out that rhythm as well. And, um, uh, it is exciting. And especially, we, um, you know, three and five, it's kind of like that preschool or three and four. We have, um, that preschool range. They learn a lot pretty quickly and that's pretty exciting to see. So, yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, that's a, a good little introduction into uh, Jake and, and what he's all about. So thanks for sharing, Jake. Um, that was great. So if we can just jump in a little bit in the past uh, few years of your life. Um, so you guys were married in, was it 2017? Yep, 2017. We'll be having our five-year anniversary this year. So coming up. Yeah. Okay. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. It's been a whirlwind yeah, of awesome. five years. Yeah. Um, and so we guys, we met you guys, uh, I think it was shortly after you were married. I can't remember exactly mm-hmm. when, but um, so your first two kids are Gavin and Libby and you adopted them um, out of foster care. And were you, were you guys even married when you were, cause I, so it was a little bit of a different situation because they were in foster care with, um, Mackenzie, your wife's parents so you kind of knew them like before right yes um, well, yeah we um we knew gavin he was a uh, three and he was in foster uh foster placement with my in-laws in iowa and we actually had met libby um at our wedding uh she was 18 days old and she came as a guest and oh really? that was the first time i remember being handed <laughs> this baby and uh 
her um, aunt that she was living with had said, here you go, dad. And I was like, <laughs> but it ended up, you know, <laughs> being true, I guess. So. Yeah. So when did you guys like decide, because it was pretty early on that you were like, we're going to try to adopt these kids. Yeah, Mackenzie knew right away. I feel that's a lot of thing. A lot of times when our relationship, Mackenzie just knows right away, and I'm kind of like slow and dragging my feet, and you know, a little bit like, okay, like hold on. Um, but probably by January that year, we were married in October. By January, we were like, you know, we feel like this is what we're supposed to do. Let's let's go for it. Um, and yeah. so we um, would go down to Iowa a couple times a month to try and spend time with them, and um, then in um, July, we were told they could come and, um, live with us. And they were with us for, um, a week and they said, Hey, some paperwork got messed up. We, we need them to come back. And Gavin was, I believe four at that time. And Cause you were ready like, to have them permanently, right? Yeah. Like, like we would have had to have yeah. them in placement for six months before we could officially adopt. <clears throat> um, and so, yeah, we were married less than a year and, my wife and I decided like, let's, you need to move back with them to be around them. Like we told them like they're coming home with us. Like you, we need to be with them as much as possible. So for three months, it was like that. Uh, I was working like six days a week, like 60 hours a week. And I'm a day off. I was driving down to Iowa to spend time with them. And, um, she was living with her mom at that time. Um, they do foster care and I'm, uh, adopted a lot of kids as well. Um, so in a full house, they were just there and, um, we made it work. So, wow. Yeah. We, I, on Libby's birthday, her first birthday, we found out that we could go home. And then, uh, I think it was a week later, we found out that we were pregnant with our, <laughs> our first biological yeah. child. Well, that's, that's what I was going to get into. So when did you bring them home? Uh, it was, uh, mid October, um, of 2018. 18 yep and then we found out that we were pregnant with our first kid our first biological oh, kid after yep that's so awesome and, <laughs> and so you actually adopted them in was it february of 2019 or march? i think it was in march yeah okay. yeah march so that was when that was when it was official so yeah and and one thing that was interesting too is that i, I think sometimes this used to be a, a big misconception um about adoption. And I, and I think there's been a lot of education around it and people are more aware, but like when you adopt someone, it's not like they're starting from scratch. They're not a blank slate. Like they bring everything from their past life with them. And as you know, there was things with, with those kids, like things they'd been through and the, the whole process of like losing their parents and kind of some of those grief and trauma that you guys had to help them work through. Um, and that was, you know, I, I know it was a big deal, especially Gavin, because he was older, like he was really having some struggles um, that you guys had to really help him process through. And he, um, especially his age range, he was like three, four, then even like when he was five, he's at that age where like he knows something's wrong, but like mm-hmm. you can try and explain it like age appropriately, but it's, it's still confusing. Like, you, you know, you're, you're old enough to know something's kind of not right or you have some memories of before, but not old enough to really fully grasp and understand what's going on and the trauma mm-hmm. that they've been through. I mean, even older kids and whether it be foster care adoption, adoption, there's a lot to really work through. I mean, even nor uh, like people who have normal childhood experiences, like 
it takes a lot like you're older and you still are working through stuff so there's a lot of mm -hmm. challenges that um yeah our kids have faced and a lot of those kids have as well yeah so it's cool to see you guys work with them but again it's it's kind of part of that roller coaster where you're so excited to ha finally have them but then you still have some really hard days of like helping them process through all these these things that they're just you know that they have to deal with yeah um and then you guys are pregnant so when was when was addy born addy was born on january of 2019 okay um yeah and so you guys went from zero kids to three kids in your first just over a year yeah yeah we uh, we were thinking we'd wait my thought at least was we'd wait a year to start having kids and i guess technically we were, we were right we found out right around like our one year anniversary that we were having yeah. kids, but we also had two more <laughs> yeah so 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 the 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 foster kids they went back for three months back to your in-laws and then they then they came back with you and then you had them for six months and then you adopted them is that how that worked yep yep there's like a six month waiting period that you know what the, they want to just make sure that it's worse for everyone so mm -hmm. yep. got it um and so things were i think for a little bit things kind of were steady you had three kids life was good um and then when did when did the two kids the emplacement come into the picture so we got about a year later yeah um so Let's see, it would have been, I believe, 2021 in April. We had um, gotten a placement for two kids, um, three and seven. Um, and we weren't sure how long it was going to be originally. We were kind of told it might be a couple weeks. Um, they were looking for family, and um, we ended up having them for over a year. Um, so, And that was, that was you guys were kind of ready, like, okay, let's go out and get you know, get into the foster system, like we're, we're ready to take on some more kids, right? Yeah. And we had had one placement before, um, the summer before, um, of two kids as well. Um, but it only ended up being four days. So we were thinking maybe oh. it might be like that. Um, and yep. we had done respite a couple of times. Um, but yeah, we had decided like we're in a good place. Um, we kind of would listen, um, and answer the call. Um, if there was a placement that was needed and would fit our home, we'd kind of listen and pray about it and see if it was right for us, see if it was right ages, you know, um, if we could make it work, if we were, it was wor working for like our family at that point. And it just seemed like it was, that was the right time to go for it. So, yeah. So that was early 2021, you said, right? Uh, yeah. I think like yeah. April, yeah. Uh, April. And when did you find out that you were pregnant expecting again? I think three days later. <laughs> That's, I thought it was pretty quick after. That is unbelievable. Yeah. So again, it jumped from three kids to six kids within about a week. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and so you guys were living in, I mean, you guys had a nice house, but it was what, 1,200 square feet? Yeah, three bedrooms. right exactly about that, yeah. So a family of seven, you guys are pretty crammed in there. Um, and you started looking for, for homes. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> you found the, the one, um, near us. So we're neighbors now. Um, and, uh, when, when was McKenzie, McKenzie was due in December of 2021. Yeah, right? December 28th. Yep. Yep. And, uh, you were set to close in early November. Yep. November 8th. 
Okay. And so the day that you close, Mackenzie goes into, you were supposed to close. Yeah. Mackenzie goes into labor, right? Yeah. It's like four, four 30 in the morning. And I wake up to Mackenzie in a panic. Um, she's bleeding. She's like, I got to go to the hospital. Um, and so we had waited for, I waited with the kids until we had a, we had a friend that was able to come over and be with them and, um, got to the hospital, a panic. We weren't sure exactly what was going on. She had issues with her mm-hmm. placenta, um, abrupting. Um, and then they were, um, sending us to Marshfield. Um, they were hoping that she wasn't going to give birth, but, um, yeah, we got to Marshfield and, um, pretty quickly it got kind of out of hand and they decided to do an emergency C-section. Um, and she had found out that, um, her and the baby and our baby were COVID positive. Um, and it just threw a lot of different wrenches, um, into that. And, um, I know like Emily, they came and told me was born about 15 minutes after that. And she was doing okay. Obviously she was like two months, a little over two months early or a little under two months mm-hmm. early, but, um, she was doing okay. Uh, they really needed to monitor her as well. And this, they sent her to the NICU. Um, and it was, I remember being in the hospital room for over an hour, kind of waiting for news on my wife. And, um, that was scary that her platelet levels like had gotten down to like eight. And I want to say like a good level is like 500. So like there was nothing really in her blood. Like it was, it was bad. Um, yeah. And then because of like needing to then go into quarantine, like I wasn't able to see Mackenzie or my baby, um, that day. So we like, I just okay we'll go home my mom and my mother-in-law were with us with the kids and we just started moving because there wasn't anything else to do like, like so crazy yeah, so the, wow the That's closings crazy. delayed fortunately all the parties were like yep we can yes I think they were great and it worked with us everything so. worked out where you could like move houses but but delay the closing, um, but still kind of start this transition. Um, but then, yeah, like you said, they were because of COVID positive, so they had to quarantine. So how long was it before you could actually see them? So um, I couldn't see, let's see, I believe it was the, I think it was around like 17 days we couldn't see Emily. Mackenzie was able to see her after like 14 days. Um so she couldn't uh, see she, her, she, her own couldn't baby see for two weeks. But we couldn't see yeah. Mackenzie then either. So Mackenzie yeah. was in the hospital for, I think, under a week. And then she um, was able to, we like had, were able to get like an Airbnb um, close by Marshfield. Uh, but she wasn't able to see her baby um, for, I think, uh, 14 days. Um, and so, yeah, we, yeah, it was rough. But, uh, and how long, cause I know for a little, I mean, with her platelet count that low, there was for a little while, there was a chance she wasn't going to make it. Right. Yeah, definitely. That day it was, um, scary to think about. And, um, the next day she was uh, much better. She obviously costed, okay. um, but by like the second day after she was, you know, doing well, um, obviously like with an emergency C-section and then, um, just what she had all gone through um that she was very sore and had some 
but by the end of the week, she was ready to go home. So that was a good. Okay. So that's good. So she pulled through pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But still, so you're stuck at home, not knowing really what's going to happen with your wife and daughter. You can't see them. Um, and so you're just working and <laughs> moving and also trying to be a dad, you know, yeah. to your kids that you have, um, which is just, yeah. That's yeah, wild. it was nice. I wasn't, I didn't have to work. I obviously didn't work for a while, but I didn't have to work um, for a while. Oh, okay. Um, we were just able to um, move, which is kind of tough with like a two-year-old, yeah. four-year-old um, and all that. And we were lucky enough, um, like the just community was just amazing. Mm-hmm. I remember right around that time before Emily was born, Mackenzie and I had kind of felt like we were kind of the people that when something happens, like we show up and we felt like mm-hmm. we had people that showed up for us, but we felt like we didn't necessarily feel that from a lot of people, like just showing up for us and being there. And wow, like were we just blown away? We had mm-hmm. um, a friends of ours that had become respite care certified um, just in case like Mackenzie and I wanted to be away for the weekend. Um, our two, our kids in placement like knew who they were going to spend the weekend with so just like that comfort and they ended up taking care of our two the two kids in placement for i think about a month while we were going through like the birth um moving and all of that and um that was amazing i mean so many people like helping and offering to do this and do that and um it, it was unbelievable yeah wow and then, and then uh, Emily was able to finally come home. Um, was it like two or three weeks? Yeah, I think Black Friday she was able to come home. It was pretty amazing. She spent 19 days in the NICU, and she was a rock star. She nailed it. Like it was, yeah, it was impressive what she was able to do. And um, yeah, then then getting used to having six kids in the house was a little different, yeah. and um, you know, yeah. having a premature baby is tough as well having four kids that it went through trauma you know and having you know needs as well trying to then get mm-hmm. back into the, doing homeschool and the two kids in our placement you know them going to school as well and getting back into work and um yeah <laughs> yeah that was crazy so when did you get so the two kids that were with you you know in placement out of foster care um you were hoping to get permanent placement of them right and i know they're they're native american and so the rules are a little bit different you couldn't actually adopt them but you could get more of like a permanent and that's what you're kind of pushing for um yeah correct it was tough i mean obviously the goal is like reunification with parents um and then if not like family um Mm -hmm. but we were willing to keep them for as long as we were needed and yeah for a year they were our kids it wasn't like they were like mm-hmm. our kids they were our mm-hmm. kids and the difficulty of them them moving to with family and um what they were able to move in with her their um sister like we knew like that was the best place for them um and best place for them long term but it's still tough and you still feel that loss so because mm-hmm. um, they they called you guys mom and dad you know i remember that they really, I mean, they really had connected with you guys really well and you guys were able to do some, 
like you said, I mean, they had their own things that they've been dealing with their lives and you guys were able to kind of be that support and that care and, and help them to work through those things. Um, and so when did you find out that they were going to be placed back with um, their, their aunt, uncle, right? Yeah. Um, so we had found out in early um, April or a little bit before then. Um, and then uh, the week after Easter, they had moved in. Um, and then shortly after that, um, Emily, our nine month, or I guess she was probably six months at that point. Um, you know, she it started off out as something um, that seemed like maybe she was teething. Um, and then maybe just like an upper respiratory infection and then turn into something a lot bigger than that. So, mm. yeah. So that, yeah, you're kind of still dealing with, cause there is grief with, I mean, obviously, you know, it's not like, um, the two kids being placement had died or anything, but there's still grief with like having that bond. And then now they're, they're gone with someone else and you just don't have that relationship anymore. So processing that and then Emily, you know, all of a sudden is not doing good. She ends up with meningitis, right? And you guys yeah. end up in Madison at the Children's Hospital in Madison. Yeah. Once again, we, we had went to the doctor a couple of times. Um, like I think it was a Tuesday and then Thursday, she really wasn't doing well. Um, yeah. And so we took her back in and our kids were with your wife, Sarah, at her house. Mm -hmm. we, were, we were hoping it was just going to be an hour doctor visit, maybe um and they just said they sent us to lacrosse right away hey something's really not right we think it might be this we think it might be that we got to lacrosse and they quickly found out that it was bacterial meningitis um and it was in her blood it was um and obviously then the uh, her fluid around her brain and then we had found out that it had actually gotten into her brain as well um so we were there for i think like three days um with her and she was just um, extremely lethargic, um, just no energy. She started on, um, a lot of different medications. Um, and then all of a sudden, like it was a Sunday night, I believe. And my wife and I, like a couple hours before we were talking about, like, we've been through a lot and this is like, obviously another thing. Um, but I looked at my wife and I said, I feel like, something else is going to happen. Like, I feel like we have a lot of mm -hmm. different things from our five-year marriage of like, this is a big thing. Like if you look back in your life, you'd be like, wow, that's like uh, the biggest thing that happened to me. And I said, out of all these things that have happened to us, I don't feel like it's happened yet. And like two hours later, Emily just stops breathing. Um, and what? I didn't know if she had stopped yeah and um it turned out they thought that she was having seizures so it was like 11 at night and um they found, told us that they were going to medevac her to madison um so like at midnight she was medevaced and my wife and i were had to drive to madison and um that was rough for a couple of days um being hooked up to eegs trying to figure out what's going on having seizures having different types of episodes um we, they originally thought that it was under control then and then all of a sudden like she stopped breathing again um and so they were worried about what was going on but we ended up being in the hospital for, or for um two weeks um and then we were able to take her home and um just bacterial meningitis it's the brain so it affects a lot of different uh, everything um and even mm -hmm. though we were home it, she's still part of like still healing we um were just in madison and found out like 
the background of her brain is still like abnormal, like that activity. Um, and she's at risk for like infantile spasms, um, which are kind of like seizures I, is my understanding. And that can have long-term effects as well. So she's on like a 30 day steroid treatment as well. But um, wow. so it's, yeah. and then we don't know the long-term effects of um, the, the meningitis. Um, maybe the seizures and if she does have infantile spasms, but um, she's doing wow. good. She's a yeah. rock star. We call her Rocky. Um, she's a fighter. So she's been through a lot, but um, yeah, that's awesome. But again, I'm sure there's the fear and I, I don't know how real it was, but obviously when you're in that situation, the fear that like, she's not coming home. Right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Especially when she just stops breathing. I mean, that's, that's just AI as a parent. That's just gotta be insane. Yeah, and I mean, so once again, like the community, like the people we know, um, the people that work with me, my boss, the people um, um, that work for me, um, the community as a whole. It was just like absolutely blown away. Um, and what got us through it was just knowing how many people like thousands and thousands of people like praying for Emily, praying for us. Like we felt that mm -hmm. in the hospital room, like, and then just seeing other people's like, examples of going through tough times. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know how we would have gotten through that if we didn't see like people going through worse. And then just looking at them, you'd look at someone and be like, you're going through like a terrible time. Like, you're still joyful like you're still like caring about other people like how do you do it and like seeing people be able to do that like that got my wife and I through so much just that example and hopefully we were able to do that for other people as well um but well that just, was one that was a question I had was like how did you during all this time how did you first of all keep up with your work and then how did you just like get through it personally, like continue to push through it? Like in our early episode, we talked about like the karate punch of just punching through something. And how did you, how have you guys pushed through? And I'm sure it was a team effort, but like how, first of all, how like we have a lot of business owners who are listening and they go through tough times. We all do. And we have that personal, you know, tough time that affects our business life. But you having a lot on your shoulders in your personal life, but also having a big responsibility at work. I'm at the restaurant managing, you know, 60 employees. How did you balance that? How did, how on earth did you do that? How Honestly, are you doing it? <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. I really didn't. I was so lucky to have like the team that we had built up the bosses that I have. Um, they were just like, you, you got to do what you got to do. I, I could only imagine like a year or two ago trying to go through this. Cause there was enough. There were so many things to worry about thing. The, so many different doctors going on so many things going on with Emily. We are other three kids, like, you know, trying to figure out and be there when we're not there. Cause we were in the hospital all the time with them, you know, worrying about them, all these different things to have to then try and like worry about this and that, and, you know, wake up and stress about like, okay, I need to figure this out or I need to figure that out. I mean, like it was amazing. Like we had a great group of people that just stepped up and like, just owned it. Like, Mm -hmm. that that were just there it was amazing and i i tried to check in and a couple times a week and they had it under control it was amazing to see um it's so lucky and blessed to have that because I, I don't know adding that to it how we would have been able to 
do it. I mean, it was just a stressful situation, but then thinking about work, it was just, I don't know how I would have been able to do it. Um, mm-hmm. So I was very lucky with that regard. Um, but yeah, getting through it as a whole, it was just like day by day, like just what what's in front of you, just go after it and just take it as it goes. Like um, mm-hmm. once again, like having like a strong faith, I, I, I so many times my wife and I would talk um, and we just say, like, I don't know how someone would go through, be able to go through this. Like if they didn't have a faith, like, mm-hmm. like there were still like, even at our toughest times, like there was still like, we, I think I could say like an underlying joy. And I don't mean that in like the wrong way. Like we were, we were like happy to be there and like happy our kid is really sick, but like, like a joy meaning like peace um that like it whatever was going to be done was like what was supposed to be done um i mean Hmm. it was just tough but um that's interesting you bring that up because the other day somebody told me that joy comes from above like from god like from our spiritual faith and then happiness comes from like earthly things and so like, there's a difference between joy and happiness. And it's interesting you brought that up. Like you weren't happy about your circumstances, but you were joyful in the moment. Like you were, you were joyful. That is, that is remarkable. Like that you were able to continue to have that. And I'm sure it was from your relationship with God and, and with each other that brought that joy. That's, that's awesome. Wow. This is inspirational. This is yeah. awesome. Yeah. So many, uh, you know, so many different people doing things for us. I mean, that was, I mean, that can't be. You know, we can't give enough credit to how many people like stepped up, um, you know, making meals for our family at home, um, taking care of things outside of work for us, checking in with us, um, um, helping us out. Just, I mean, the prayers like we like just honestly, like when we say like we felt the prayers, like we felt the prayers. Hmm. Um, It was absolutely amazing. Um, I remember my and so many things just like, wow, like this is like just divine. Like my wife and I were sitting there talking when we first got to, I believe it was Madison. And we said, this is the second time we, like, we've been caught in a situation where like we don't have a Bible like with us. Like, we, you know, like you can look up the we have the Bible app on our phones, but just like being able to like wake up and like read the Bible. I'm not kidding you. We got done having that conversation, got a knock on our door. And it was um, the chaplain from the hospital. Hey, just checking in, introducing uh, myself. Let me, let, you, know, you know, here if you need anything. We said, we could use a Bible. <laughs> like, yeah, I can get you one. So, like, Wow. That is awesome. I yeah. love that. That's divine. That's for sure. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, so, and one thing, I, man, I, I've just been amazed, like you said, that you guys have, been able to have that joy through it all because um i guess you just kind of assume from the outside looking in that oh someone who's going through the through the crap of life you know is just going to be down and out but just having that um and one thing i mean your wife is is uh just a rock star um yeah i would (laughs) i it'd be cool sometime to get her on here too i know right now you guys you know have a lot with the kids going on right now but um she, I remember my wife telling me that when she was in the hospital after giving birth to Emily and dealing with all that, she was supposed to have made a meal for another uh, family in our church that was having troubles. And she texted my wife and said, hey, 
since I can't make this meal, can you make sure that they get it? Like she was thinking about that even in the midst of it. And then um, I remember when, when uh, you guys were in Madison with Emily and, and well, everything in Eau Claire and then Madison and going through that. And we were able to help, you know, watch your kids sometimes. And, and Sarah went over to your house and helped out. Um, I think it was your mother-in-law who was there and stuff. And like, two or three days after you guys got were finally able to bring Emily home, you guys came to church and you brought a thank you card from your wife to my wife for watching the kids. <laughs> and I was like, how are you even thinking about that right now? Like you've just been through all this stuff and yet somehow you're able to like look out. So how, I mean, how, and maybe you already answered this, but how have you been able to like stay grounded enough to even like have those thoughts of like, Oh, I need to thank this person. Oh, I need to take care of this meal. Like, you know, I, I feel like if I was in that situation, like I wouldn't even be able to keep my thoughts straight. Um, and to just maintain that level of just balance and being grounded is. I I think like the three things I have talked about, like community was huge. Like the example that other people have given us, but I think like the third thing is just like encouragement and Mm. like feeling like with what happened with Mackenzie and the birth with Emily with the birth, um, what happened in the couple weeks, months after that, then while we were in the hospital um, with Emily and all the things that were done for us, just the encouragement that we felt and how we, how that impacted us. I, I think, I think we do a poor job as, um, as a society as a whole, and I'm I, I'm guilty of it as well of not doing that enough. Because when you do feel that encouragement, when like you do like realize like the impact that you had in someone, like I don't think that can be understated of what that does to you, um, and it makes you want to do it for someone else as well. I think mm-hmm. that's a big thing for us um, because just we have a debt that like needs to be paid and it was repaid for us and we don't deserve anything that we like we have or we get and people like just reaching out and doing things above and beyond like that just makes us want to go and do that for other people as well so Hmm. i think that's a big thing Hmm. wow that's That's incredible what um one thing i was thinking about too is just how you know the past several years the complete lack of control you've had like so much is out of your hands you know adopting your kids out of foster care where it's like you just have to deal with it oh we messed up on the paperwork i guess they can't live with you anymore like that's completely out of your hands um the this the sickness and and the things with the the pregnancy and the birth like you have zero control over that that's completely out of your hands um and so I feel like everything you've been through, like, is nothing you could have helped or prevented. It's just the way it was. You had no control. You just had to kind of hang on and go for the ride. Um, and so how do you, how has that been? Or, or, or how have you dealt with just n- not having control and finding a way to be okay with it? I mean, I'd love to say, like, I handle it super well. And it's just like, <laughs> you know, well, you just trust and you just take it day by day and all the, all the platitudes you could say. And to a point, I think like trust is a big thing. Like the decisions like we made, like we, we like spent time praying, figuring out like, is this the right thing? And if you trust and like the answer that you get, 
then like you need to trust in the middle of it, like at the at the worst part of it, like you just got to keep doing it. And I think trying to lean back at that, obviously, like there are days where it's just like, what are we doing? Uh, are we going to get through this? Um, are we doing, you know, are we doing this right? Are we, you know, doing a good enough job with this or that with our kids, with their job, balancing everything. Um, Mm-hmm. but I think just try, like persevering through it um, is, you know, just the biggest thing. And, um, you know, you, you had mentioned it um, really well. My wife is a rock star and just having the relationship with each other to be able to communicate with what's going on with each other, um, you know, being there for each other was, um, you know, it's amazing. I have the best partner. So. Yeah. That's awesome. Wow. What, what have you, what have you learned or, or like going through everything you've gone through in the past four or five years, like, even though it was obviously not an ideal situation, is there anything like you're grateful for or or anything that you've learned or, or that you're like better for having gone through it? I think I definitely like, my faith is stronger through it. Um, and like, just then being able to look back at it all and just like seeing like the times God showed up for us. Mm -hmm. Um, like that's the biggest thing. Like, you know, even like the tough times, I mean, we have four kids and they're eight and younger. Like there are tough times in our house. Like tensions get high. Like there, there are a lot of fights. Like there's a lot of like, you know, kids need discipline like you know having a lot of different things on our plates like it gets tough um and it gets tough to like see like what's ahead of you but just being able to look back and seeing like we made it through this like we got through that um god provided for us here like god provided for us there like it's gonna happen again so um I think that's a big thing for us. It's easy to sit here. It's easy to sit here and say, and, you know, um, but, and there's times where it's tough and you don't necessarily think about that, but the more times I can find myself looking back and, you know, seeing those things, I see that how it impacts greatly moving forward. So. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. That's incredible. Oh, well, that was that was quite a story. Thanks for sharing us. Sharing us. Uh, <laughs> um, I think we'll start to wind down. Warren, did you have any uh, questions as we wrap up with Jake here? Well, I was. We were talking about this before we started the call, but our roofing company actually bid on a roof um, for the restaurant where Jake works, and I don't know if I got to meet Jake at that point or not. Um, but I was just thinking while Jake was sharing his story, like everyone we meet uh, in our businesses. So whether Jake's making a burger for somebody or I'm quoting a roof or Nick's building a website, everyone we meet has a story and they're probably going through something. It might not be as significant as what Jake's going through, but um, God gave him that challenge because, you know, he's going to give him a, a way out. And even though something might feel way more, you know, this story might seem very significant. There's things that other people are going through that are just as significant to them, even though they might not look as big on the outside. Mm -hmm. And I was just reminded again, like everybody we service has a story and it is our professional, professional duty to like 
care for them when we're out there with them, like mm -hmm. be respectful, be patient. Um, cause you don't know what they're going through. Like if I just think Jake's a normal business owner and I'm like, here's the quote, whatever, you know, we can get your roof done. We can make money. Your leaks will stop. That's, that's all fine. But what if we build a relationship with every one of our customers and it all, it looks different for all of us because Jake has way, way more customers than Nick and I do because he's serving hundreds of people a day, but he can build a relationship with his coworkers, with his regular people that come in every morning for coffee. And that was one thing as I was going through and I wrote a whole bunch of things down that you said, Jake, but it was like, I was just reminded again of like, we have an opportunity as business owners, as managers to interact with other human beings and be that support, that community he talked about. And some of the people we come across, you know, they aren't people of faith. And maybe we can be that little glimmer of hope to them um, in their moment of, you know, struggle and, and life, you know, the roller coaster of life that we always talk about of the highs and lows. So that was probably my big takeaway was like, a huge challenge for me was to like be aware of the people around me and then care for them. Um, and that's sounds like the people did that for you, Jake. And that's, that's phenomenal. I love it. And also interesting is like Nick has adopted a kid and I shouldn't say a kid. He's adopted Casey, a fine <laughs> young lady. Uh, yeah. And he's working on another adoption. And my wife and I are actually just finalizing our foster license, like in the next that's week. Awesome. Uh, so we're early on in the stages of foster care. And then it sounds like you, you've, you guys have been part of the foster adoption process for quite a while. So it's really cool. Um, and I'm sure you'd, if, if you're listening today and you have interest in, in foster adoption, you know, Nick and Jake, or maybe myself would be uh, great resources, probably Jake for the most part, but um, he's had some yeah. very unique experiences. So yeah, I, uh, I love just being a listener on this episode. Um, I'm extremely inspired. I uh, just love the courage you have, Jake and your inspirational story to just keep going, like you said, one day at a time, and then just being faithful, um, grabbing a hold of your partner and just running. Uh, it's yep. a phenomenal story. And uh, I'm sure you could, you will bless many people with sharing this story with them. So it's great. I appreciate it. Yeah. So we've spent a lot of time talking about your past, Jake. So I'm curious, just to switch it up a little bit, what what are you excited about? If you look ahead over the next three, four months, is there anything coming up that you're excited about in your future? Let's see. So when we um, didn't have our placement anymore, like we Mackenzie and I talked, like I feel like we're, we've been like kind of running this sprint marathon for the past like four years. Like let's kind of like have a season of peace like a calm, like just like relaxation yeah. that obviously has not worked out to our, uh, so far. So we're hoping to kind of get into that routine. Um, just like to just relax and like enjoy like our kids right now, get into like a really good, um, routine with like, um, learning with our kids, teaching our kids. Um, my wife and I are going to celebrate, um, our fifth year anniversary at the end of October. Um, so just like, you know, reflect down the past five years and looking forward and trying to figure out what's next for us. Cause I think um, that's important to do as well. We are kind of, obviously we need to take care of our kids and um, you know, well, Emily is still going through a lot, but just trying to figure out like, okay, well, like what's good. What, what's going to come next. Um, and if, uh, we're kind of excited for that, a little nervous, but um, you know, excited to kind of figure out what's next. So, we're a little unsure about what's yeah. going to be next. So, hmm. That's awesome. 
It's great. Cool. That's yeah, that's great. Um, so how, yeah, if someone wants to reach out is uh, wants to learn more about your story or about foster adoption or managing a business or developing a team or any of the things that you've talked about, uh, can people reach out, uh, via Facebook or yeah, Facebook, yeah. Um, I can leave an email on a, uh, wherever you'd like me to, I guess I could do that as well, but yeah, feel free to reach out and, um, I'm, I'll be there for you. Is Dugan yeah. just D-U-G-E-N or how is it spelled? D-U-G-A-N. Yeah. A-N? Yep. Are you familiar with Dugan Squad Fishing Tackle? No, I am not. <laughs> I think it's spelled a little bit different, but Dugan Squad, my younger brothers always watch them on YouTube. They have a fishing show and then they make fishing tackle. <laughs> so when he said Jake, when I heard Jake Dugan, I thought immediately of Dugan Squad. I'm guessing some of our listeners use yeah. their tackle and they're really popular in the last five years. So, but I think it's D O O G E N. I'm not sure, but yours is D U G A N. Yeah. Yep. Got it. Okay. Jake Dugan. Got it. And I will link, uh, again, I'll, I'll have the, his Facebook and, uh, maybe email linked in the show notes as well. So if you're listening and want to connect, uh, definitely check there, uh, to find more about Jake. Whew. Well, man. <laughs> That was great. Thank you, Jake, for taking some time and for for sharing your story. That was, I think, some people are going to be really just blessed and inspired and motivated uh, to hear to hear about that. So, thank you for sharing. Yeah, I appreciate um, you guys giving me the opportunity. Also, thanks, uh, dear listener. If you are listening on whatever app you use and you have not yet followed or subscribed, please go ahead and click subscribe or follow, depending on where you're at. Uh, if you're on Apple Podcasts, we would love a rating and a review. Um, that would be great to help uh, help with the uh, algorithms to boost the the podcast. And you know we're narcissists, so we love the feedback as well to stroke our own egos. So, <laughs> and if you're in Black that. River Falls and you're hungry, stop by Culver's for a burger. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> or anywhere. Where is Culver's? What? How many states are they in right now? Do you know, Jake? It's like 26. We're getting out there. Okay. So yeah, definitely look for that uh, big blue and white sign of the Culvers and, and hit them up today. Yeah. Get a butter burger and some frozen custard. <clears throat> um, well, I think that is all for now. So until next time, let's go vertical. Let's go.